We are so excited about that new series that's going to begin January 5th, next Sunday, which y'all is 2020. Can you believe it is going to be the year 2020? Every time I say that, I feel like Barbara Walters should appear, right? And I'm hoping it's not going to be that way the entire year, but I have a feeling that it it might be. You know, the year 2020 is upon us. and, And I got to thinking this week about when I was in high school, I went to a camp at a local university for prospective teachers, for people who were interested in the field of education. I did not really realize at the time that it was like a recruitment fair. They were trying to get us to become teachers, but I went there. And the theme of the entire camp was 2020, get this, it's really kitschy, the future's so bright we got to wear shades. Like that was the theme of the camp. And so all of our papers had little sunglasses on them. Uh, my name tag had sunglasses. And I remember that to this day because that was the 90s. That was a long time ago. And I could not imagine the year 2020. It just felt like so far in the future. It seemed like we would all be flying around and flying cars. And like we wouldn't have to clean our houses by ourselves. The robot would be doing it. We could not have imagined back in the 90s what 2020 would be like. We would not have thought that Donald Trump would be president and that people would be arguing about whether the earth was round or flat. Like that was not in our consciousness, but alas, here we are, right? So 2020 is upon us. And isn't it weird how we have constructed this calendar system? Like we've created it. Y'all realize that like there's not a real difference between Tuesday and Wednesday other than the fact that we name it something different. It's a different year. That is a completely human creation. There's really not anything different between 2019 and 2020. In fact, not even all people across the world use the same calendar, right? The Chinese calendar, I think it's currently the year of the boar, just in case you were interested. Okay, a little trivia for you. The calendar is a human construct, but, but doesn't it feel really significant that a new year is upon us? Especially in America, it feels really important that that come midnight, right, we're going to switch over on Tuesday night from 2019 to 2020. It feels momentous. And part of that is just our culture. You know, that we have these New Year's resolutions that we make and we decide, okay, this this is going to be the year, right? This is going to be the year that whatever changes. When I think about going into anything unknown, like a new year, or even truthfully, a new day, it's sort of like going into the wilderness, isn't it? It's like going into the unknown because even those of us who are planners, who are my planners out here? Okay, I feel you, right? We're the ones who like to know what's coming. We want to know what is expected of us. We want to have an itinerary, like we want the plans. Even those of us among us who are planners, truthfully, we really don't know what 2020 is going to hold, do we? We don't even know what this afternoon is going to hold. We like to think that we do, and we like to have a plan. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have plans, but really when we stop and think about it, our very next moment even is a wilderness. It's something that we cannot force to happen. We can't make it go the way we want it to go, and so it is a wilderness. And I, I want you to think about that term wilderness today because that's the title of this message is Into the Wilderness. So if you think about geography, and I say the word wilderness, what comes to your mind? Probably like a forest, right, or a jungle, a place that's uninhabited. There's probably not Wi-Fi, probably not running toilets, right? A wilderness is a place that humans have not gone into and conquered yet. You probably have images like from National Geographic in your mind, or if you've been hiking somewhere and it was in the middle of nowhere, that is a wilderness. 
But I also want you to think about how sometimes in our lives, when we go into certain situations and, and there are situations that we go into and, and it is something that's unknown, doesn't that feel like a wilderness? A wilderness does not just have to be a geographical, physical location, but a wilderness can be any experience that you and I go into that is uncharted, that is not explored yet by us, that that we don't know exactly what we're going to find there. And so rather than us today stopping to think about, okay, what are my New Year's resolutions going to be? I want us instead to approach the New Year a little differently and prepare for the wilderness that is to come. Because if our next moment is a wilderness and our next day, then our next year certainly is going to be one. We know that it's unexpected. We know that it's uncharted. We have not been in 2020 before. So instead of just resolving that this is the year I'm going to lose weight or the year I'm going to uh, plan out my meals or the year I'm going to get organized or whatever, instead of all of those things, what if we prepared for whatever was to come? That's what I want us to talk about today, how we are all moving into a wilderness season. That can sound scary, right? Because when you imagine a geographical wilderness, you might be picturing animals that could tear you apart, okay? But a wilderness does not have to be terrifying because as believers, yes, we are going into a wilderness. To be human is to go into a wilderness, but to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ is not to be afraid because even though we haven't been in the wilderness, we know the one who has, right? He's the one who created it. He has gone before us. He knows what is to come. And so even though we don't, we know the one who knows. So the wilderness is not a place that we need to be terrified of. It's just simply a place that we need to be prepared for. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we can be prepared for it. So what I want to do is I want to share some truths with you today about the wilderness. There are four different truths that I'm going to share with you. And I'm going to start by looking at two very different stories in Scripture, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. And if you're somebody who is organized and likes to know the details, here's truth number one, that regardless of how we get to the wilderness, God is there with us. So I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Genesis chapter 16, the very first book in the Bible. And the story that we're going to be looking at, the main character, the main person that we're going to be talking about today is a female named Hagar. And Hagar was a woman who was a slave, essentially. She was a servant for Abraham and Sarah. And you might be familiar with their story, but if not, Abraham is the father Abraham that we sang about in Bible school as kids, right? Father Abraham, Shannon's got it, had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, that's him. Um, And at this point in the story where we're going to pick up, he was not yet Father Abraham because his wife had not yet borne him a child. God had made this promise to Abraham that through him, there would be many descendants and that those descendants would be too numerous to count. They would be more numerous than the grains of sand on the shore and then the stars in the sky. He had made Abraham that promise, but that promise had not yet been fulfilled. So where we're picking up today is Sarah, his wife, taking matters into her own hands. Some of us can relate. So Genesis 16 is where we are. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. That's the girl we're talking about today. And so she said to Abram, 
The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. First of all, no, right? Bad idea. Perhaps I can build a family through her. We laugh, but don't desperate times call for desperate measures? And sometimes when we believe that there has been a promise spoken into our life, but we haven't seen it happen yet, sometimes don't we try to finagle it and make it happen on its own? Yeah, we're Sarah. We are. Abram agreed, so he wasn't innocent either, to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. She began to resent Sarah. This was not a pregnancy that she likely desired. That sexual encounter with Abraham is likely not something she chose. We're in the midst of the Me Too movement, right, in the United States. This is probably one of those situations where she had no choice because she was employed by this family. They were in a position of power over her and she had to submit even if it meant going against her will. So it's natural to understand that she would have begun to resent both Sarah and Abraham for what had happened. And in her resentment, Sarah saw it. Sarah saw it and she said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Again, no, right? She's the one who started this situation, but she blames Abram, her husband. She says, I put my servant in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Look at Abram's reaction here. He says, your servant is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. He turns it back over to her and says, okay, your move. And it's so interesting, and I think I might preach a message on this one day, that what Sarah thought was best, because everyone says, you do what you think is best. What Sarah thought was best was to do what? To mistreat her. So Sarah mistreated Hagar. It's another message for another day. And she fled. She ran away. Hagar said, I've got to get away from this situation. It's nothing but toxic. The angel of the Lord found Hagar. Near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel said, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. Does that sound familiar? He makes that promise to Hagar, a slave woman. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. He gives her the gender reveal right there. You're gonna have a boy. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. Somebody needs to underline that in your Bible today. The Lord has heard of your misery. It's underlined in mine. He will be a wild donkey of a man. I sort of wish I had gotten that message about my kids before they were born so I could have been prepared. Anybody else got a wild donkey? His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Again, all his brothers, there were none other at this point. But the angel tells her there are going to be a lot of descendants, a lot of brothers. She, Hagar, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. And I've underlined this one too. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So remember our first truth was that regardless of how we get to the wilderness, God is there with us. Look at how Hagar got to the wilderness. 
She ran there, didn't she? She chose to go into the wilderness. And, and when we're thinking about those wilderness experiences, we probably think, no, that's not somewhere I wanna go. But for Hagar, the wilderness was a better option than remaining where she was. Have y'all ever been in that situation where you're not quite sure where you're headed, but it's not gonna be where you've been? It's got to be better. Sometimes we choose to go into the wilderness, into the unknown, the uncharted territory because of desperation. Hagar had no options in life, y'all. She had no money of her own. She had no husband of her own. She could not just go out and get a job at the Target, right? She had no other options. And so her only best option at this point is to run away. She flees into the wilderness, choosing to go there. Some of you this morning are in a wilderness and it's a wilderness of your choosing. And now you're looking around and like, Hagar, you're in a desert. It is a dry place. And you're going, what happens next? And I'm here to tell you that what happens next in your wilderness is that God will meet you there. That's what he did for Hagar. He sent an angel of the Lord to speak to her. Now, what he says to her seems a little unexpected and maybe even unkind, right? Because what does he tell her to do? Go back, go back to the place that you just ran away from. And if I were Hagar, I might've said, what, excuse, why do you want me to go back where I came from? But here's why. It's not that he wanted her to go back into the mistreatment. It's not that he wanted her to go back and be miserable, but he wanted her to go back because he had a plan in the middle of that situation that is not what she would have chosen, but he still had a plan in the middle of it. And that is how God works. Sometimes when we are in a painful situation, even where like Hagar, we feel we're being mistreated, God might say to you, I want you to remain in this for this season because I have a plan that you don't know about yet. If that's you today and you're in the middle of a wilderness experience and you just wanna run away and get out, maybe you need to listen for the voice of God. Now, there are situations absolutely that you should run away from. If you are being abused, get out, go, get help. That's my counsel to you. But I'm also saying to you that not every wilderness experience is one that needs to be fled from. Instead, perhaps we need to look for the presence of God in it. God met Hagar in this situation. And I just think it's so interesting that it was in that place in the desert, in her desperation, when she was by herself, that she received a revelation, that she received a promise from God. She didn't receive that when she was in Abraham and Sarah's house, did she? She didn't receive it in a place where she was well fed. She didn't receive it until she was alone and she was quiet and she was desperate. And sometimes I wonder if that is why the wilderness is what we need is because it's the only place we are quiet enough to hear the voice of God. Not all wilderness is bad. Sometimes that's where we receive the word of promise from our God. She received a revelation in the wilderness. And my favorite part of the story is verse 13 that I told you I underlined where she becomes the first person in the Bible to give God a name, right? You are the God who sees me. Think about how Hagar must have felt in that situation. Think about how insignificant she must have felt. She was a servant who had probably been raped. 
She was pregnant now. She had run away. She had nothing of her own. She's in the middle of a desert. And yet God encounters her there. The same God who created the universe, right? Who put all the sand on the shore, who put all the stars in the sky, who created that child growing in her womb and developed her own neurological system, right? The same God who did all of that is the one who sees a desperate, pregnant runaway. This morning, whatever your situation, our God is the God who sees. Don't we all want to be seen? Like not just noticed. We don't want just somebody's eyes on us, but we want somebody to get us. We want to be understood. We want somebody to acknowledge what we're going through. And the truth is, God is the God who sees. That's the truth for you this morning. So in Hagar's situation, she ran into the wilderness, not expecting a revelation from God. She didn't know anything momentous was gonna happen there. And yet God still met her. Now, I want us to look at another story. I told you one was gonna be from the Old Testament and one from the New. So now I want you to flip over to the book of Matthew in the New Testament. Where we're gonna pick up is in chapter four with the story of Jesus in the desert. Now, we just celebrated Christmas, the baby Jesus, right? He's all grown up now. We're we're picking up. No longer the tiny baby in the manger, but he's a fully grown man. But he's not yet the Jesus doing all the Jesus things that we think about when we think about the Jesus of the Bible. He had not started his public ministry yet. He was just growing up, probably working with his dad as a carpenter. And where we're going to pick up in chapter 4 is where he goes into the wilderness. Take a look at this. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting, fasting means you're going without food, right? For 40 days and 40 nights, understatement of the Bible, he was hungry. The tempter, Satan, our enemy, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Y'all, if you've been fasting 40 days and 40 nights, you'll pick up a rock and eat it, right? And so he says, just turn it into bread. You can do it. He gives Jesus that option, but Jesus instead responds to him. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I need God's word more than I need that bread. That's what Jesus says to Satan. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written and he quotes scripture, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written. I just love that sometimes Jesus can be snarky, right? He says, it is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the last temptation, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. I'm picturing the Taj Mahal, right? Like I'm picturing all of these beautiful places, even though the Taj Mahal was not built yet then, I get it, okay? But still, he's showing him all the kingdoms and their splendor. And he says, I will give you all this. All of this can be yours if you will just bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God, not those kingdoms, and serve him only. So the devil left him and angels came and attended him. How did Jesus get into the wilderness? Did he run into it like Hagar? No, he was led there by the spirit. 
Go back to our first truth. Regardless of how we get to the wilderness, God is there. Friends, sometimes we run into it and sometimes the spirit leads us into the wilderness. Doesn't it seem a little strange that the spirit might lead us into a a place that is unknown and uncharted that we would consider a wilderness? It might seem a little strange, but that's exactly sometimes what God does through his spirit. He leads us to places that are unknown so that we can know him in a way we've never known him before. Come on, somebody. That is my story, right? God has taken me places I would never have gone on my own. And as a result, I have seen him in ways I had never seen him before. I encountered him in ways that I never could have encountered in a place where it was tame and civilized. The wilderness reveals things to us that we might not otherwise see regardless of how we get to the wilderness. You see, God has a plan in it. Have you ever suddenly realized that you are in a wilderness season? That what you're experiencing is a little bit unknown? Four points. We've been there in 2019, haven't we? We've been there in 2019 where we suddenly go, oh, wait a second, this is not what I planned. You've experienced that in your personal life. And sometimes when that happens, don't we automatically assume, well, if I am in the wilderness, it must be because I've done something wrong. This must be my punishment. This must be what I deserve. Friends, idiocy, our stupid decisions, that's not the only cause of the wilderness. If it were, I'd just have to pitch a tent and live there. Our idiocy is not the only reason we get into the wilderness. Sometimes the very spirit of God takes us there because the wilderness is what we need more than the civilization. Our human construct, our human idea of what we need is not always correct. But no matter how we get into the wilderness, God is there. How was he there with Hagar? Through the angel of the Lord, right? The angel of the Lord appeared to her and spoke to her. How was God with Jesus in the wilderness? Come on, somebody. He was with him through his word. He was with him through his word. God will never leave us alone. Sometimes when you're in those wilderness experiences, doesn't it feel like God is silent? And it doesn't even have to be a wilderness. It could just be a Tuesday, right? You just feel like God is silent. And you're going, where are you? Speak to me, reveal yourself to me. And God might be saying to you, I already have. I read a quote this week that just blew me away and convicted me. And it said, never say God is silent if your Bible is closed. That's good stuff right there. God is not silent. He has spoken everything that we need to hear through his very word. But sometimes we are too prideful to think we need to crack it open. We think we've got it. We think we know enough to get by. And so we claim that God is quiet. Sometimes we have to train ourselves. It's kind of like Shannon was making the point about today that God inhabits the praises of his people and that when we vocalize our praises, God is there in it. So even if you're in the wilderness, if you praise, guess what? God is there. If we will discipline ourselves to know God's word and vocalize it, speak it into our situations, guess what? God is there. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know what else is the truth? The word of God. So if we speak the truth, the word of God, then Jesus will be there because he is the truth. I wanna issue a challenge this morning. Y'all, y'all good with the challenge? I'm a person who likes a challenge. And this is my challenge to us as Four Points Church this year. Let's forget momentarily 
about all the New Year's resolutions that are swirling through our heads. If y'all have been in a store, they are trying to get you to purchase some things to help with your resolutions, right? Like the front of the store is full of treadmills and full of diet things and shakes and like all this stuff. Forget about all of that for a second. And instead of those resolutions, what if we instead just resolved to be people of the word? What would it look like in the year 2020 if every single one of us every single day read some of God's word? Don't you think that would change this place? That's my challenge. And because I am a person who likes a challenge, this afternoon you are going to get a text message from me through this church inviting you to click on a link and go to the YouVersion Bible app and join a 2020 daily Bible reading plan with me. It's happening. I'm doing it. I got myself a new journal and everything. Like, I'm excited. I'm ready. But here's what I want to remind us. Sounds great, right? Oh, yeah, I'm going to read the Bible every day. Guess what happens? You get to Leviticus, and it gets hard, right? Sometimes reading the Word of God is hard. That's why I chose a Bible plan that is not chronological because, whoo, that'll blow your mind. Instead, there's a little Old Testament. There's also a little New Testament. There's a Psalm or a Proverb every day. And here's what I know to be true. If we will discipline ourselves to get in God's Word, we will, like Hagar, receive a revelation. It might not happen every day, but it will happen Guys, what if we all read through the entire Bible this year? I really believe it would change things. Here's another challenge I want to issue to you. We talk all the time at Four Points Church about being a church that does life together, right? Like we are better together. You hear us say that all the time. We're going to give you some opportunities starting the first week of January to join with other people in community. Every Tuesday night, ladies, at 7 p.m., we're going to get together. We're going to have a short devotional, but we're also going to have a lot of fun. We're going to drink coffee. Our very first meeting, January 7th, is going to be at Stomping Grounds in Greer. We invite you to come and be part of a community. Men, y'all get to go to Theo's. Have y'all been to Theo's? They got a good hot ham and cheese sandwich that I really enjoy. The men are going to meet every Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m., which I know is early, but come on. Y'all going to be up. You got kids. You're going to be up anyway. 6.30 a.m. for a little devotional, a little Bible study, some fellowship, and some breakfast. We want to give you opportunities to do life together, to get to know people. And you know what our hope is? That those groups will split off. That what is a large group will eventually become lots of smaller groups, meeting in people's homes, meeting all over the place. But we are setting up a date for you with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's the reason why. We want you to prepare for the wilderness. The wilderness is coming, whether you like it or not, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. There is coming something in your life in 2020 that is going to be uncharted, unexplored, that you didn't know was coming. And we want you to be prepared for it. How do you prepare? By knowing God's word and being with God's people. We're going to give you those opportunities. And on the way out the door today, you're going to get a flyer that tells you all of the information you need to know about those two things. Here is the next truth. If truth number one is regardless of how we get to the wilderness, God is there. Here's truth number two. The wilderness can be a place of preparation. The wilderness can be a place that prepares you for what is to come. I told you in Matthew chapter four, Jesus was not yet doing all the Jesus-y things we know of, right? 
He had not started his public ministry. If you just flip over one page, the heading in my Bible says, Jesus begins his ministry right after the temptation in the wilderness. And I don't think that's an accident. I really believe that his time in the desert, in the wilderness, was preparing him for the ministry that was to come. Now listen, I don't believe that this was a test where God was going, okay, I think Jesus is the man for this job. Let me try to figure that out. I don't think that was it. I think it was more that this was preparing Jesus' flesh for what was to come. Because as much as Jesus had a divine nature, meaning that he was God, he also had a human nature, meaning he had a body like you and like me that was weak, right? He had a body that needed food and that needed sleep and that needed community. And during this time of isolation in the desert, all of those were stripped away. And I think this time was preparing Jesus' flesh, increasing his stamina for all that was to come. If you think about all the things that happened in the few years of his public ministry, y'all, that man was nonstop. You talk about the Energizer Bunny, right? He was constantly on the go, traveling from one place to another. People were demanding a lot of him. He was rejected by people who should have loved him. The government saw him as a threat. That's another sermon too. The government saw him as a threat. The religious church people saw him as a threat. He was not just loved. He was also hated, which is why he was crucified. And so he was being prepared during this time in the wilderness to be able to withstand all that was about to come his way. If you were in the wilderness today, instead of resenting it, what if you saw it as a place of preparation for what's coming? We don't know what all is ahead in our future, but God does. And sometimes that's why his spirit leads us into the wilderness, is to prepare us for what we don't yet see or know is coming. Jesus's life was all about sacrifice, wasn't it? And the wilderness prepared him for that. Y'all, wilderness seasons are rarely what we want, but they are often what we need. Some of y'all can relate, right? You look back and those experiences in your life that you would define as the wilderness, those are not things you would have wanted, not things that you would have put on your plan for that year. And yet it was the very thing you needed that you never could have anticipated that you needed. The wilderness can prepare us. And I also think the wilderness exposes us to what we would rather prevent. And I want you to think about this. When Jesus was in the desert, he was not eating food. He was not resting well, right? He didn't have a comfortable mattress. He was isolated. And aren't those all things that we would try to avoid? We try to avoid discomfort in our lives at any cost. How many of you, oh, I'm gonna get personal. How many of you, when you are at a red light, get so bored and unable to sit with your own thoughts that you pull out your phone? I see y'all. Why do we do that? Because we want to avoid the discomfort of having to think our own thoughts. That'll preach. We want to avoid the discomfort of being alone with ourselves. When was the last time you sat in silence without the TV going, without a podcast playing, without music in the background, without anything? We go to massive lengths to avoid discomfort. 
Y'all, if I don't eat every three hours like a newborn, I lose my mind. I get hangry. You can ask Austin and Katie. Like, I've got to have a snack. We go to massive lengths to avoid the discomfort so we don't have to think and feel those things. And sometimes God leads us into the wilderness by his spirit so that we will be forced to face those things we would rather avoid. The wilderness exposes us to the things that we would rather prevent. I want you to think about how you avoid discomfort and pain. Listen to this quote. It says, in the wilderness, everything becomes 110% what it is. Without all the usual background noise and distraction, there is nothing to dilute reality. Y'all know when you dilute a liquid that you're just putting more water into it, right? Nobody wants diluted sweet tea. You want it full sugar, right? When we dilute our reality, what we're doing is we're trying to escape from it, right? Make it a little more palatable, make it easier to swallow. And I wanna get all up in your business right now and ask you, what are the things in your life that you use to dilute your reality? Is it your phone? Is it social media? You don't wanna think about your own life so you absorb yourself in other people's lives. Is it alcohol? You don't wanna think about your reality so you escape by getting a buzz. What do you use to dilute your reality? Is it food? Is it Netflix? Is it people? Is it your kids? We all have those things, don't we? Here's what I know about the wilderness. Sometimes it's the best place to be because all of those things disappear. And we ain't got nothing but God. Yes, the English teacher just said that. We ain't got nothing but God. And sometimes that is what we need. We need all those things to go away. That's one of the reasons why in January, starting January 6th, we are gonna have a 21-day church-wide fast where we're gonna ask you to strip away some things in your life that you use to dilute your reality so you can hear the voice of God, so you can receive a revelation of the promises that he has for you. Now, I don't know what your fast is going to look like, it might be fasting from all food for 21 days. I have done that and that is hard, friends. But I have also never heard from God more. Maybe it's not going to be from food. Maybe you have a condition that prevents you from doing that. You can still fast from something, television, the Facebook, Instagram. Maybe for some of you, you need to fast from reading things other than God's word. I get guilty of that. I love to read. I always have multiple books going. And sometimes I can prioritize those over my time in the word. Maybe that's what you need to fast from. If we all get in God's word daily and we all abstain, we stay away from something that dilutes our reality, guys, we'll be changed. At the end of that 21 days on January 26th, we're gonna get together and we're gonna have a fast breaking party. We're gonna have fun, we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna share what God did during those 21 days. So be thinking about that now over the next few days as we move into 2020. What is God asking you to fast from starting on January 6th? The third truth, the wilderness is always a revealer. I want you to think about this. When something is revealed, it is made known, right? It's made known to you, it is shown to you. And in the wilderness, we are always going to receive a revelation, maybe not from God, but definitely about ourselves. 
Think about the revelation that we had about Jesus in the wilderness. What was revealed about him and his reactions to the temptations? He wasn't giving in, right? He was not gonna fall for Satan's tricks. He was not gonna fall prey to those temptations. That's what was revealed about Jesus. I don't think we can talk about wilderness without talking about the Israelites for a second. I want you to think back in the Old Testament, the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt. God sets them free and says, go to this promised land. And they get there and they freak out, don't they? Because God says, go in and conquer and that land is yours. And they say, oh no, that looks impossible. There are too many people there. They're too big. We don't have what it takes to conquer them. Only two people out of the entire Israelite nation believed they could do it. Those men were Caleb and Joshua. And guess who were the only ones who 40 years later entered the promised land? Caleb and Joshua, right? They did not believe they had what it took. And so their punishment was to wander in the desert. And as they wandered in the desert, as they wandered in the wilderness, something very revealing happened. Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God and God is giving him the 10 commandments. He inscribes, God does, the 10 commandments on the stones and gives them to Moses. And Moses is going to take them back to his people. But when he gets back, this is what happens. It says in Deuteronomy, that Moses turned and went down from the mountain while it was ablaze with fire. And the two tablets of the covenant were in his hands. And he says, when I looked, I saw that you, my people, had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made for yourselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. You see, what happened is that in the wilderness, the hearts of the Israelites were revealed. Their hearts were not completely, wholly dedicated to God. They were only dedicated to God in times of ease and convenience and when they understood, right? Moses had been gone 40 days and that was too long for them. And so they, they needed a God that they could see and touch. And so they made one out of gold. The wilderness revealed their hearts. The wilderness will reveal our hearts as well. Sometimes we would rather not see what the wilderness shows us about ourselves, right? That's a reality we would like to dilute. But y'all, we can't escape the wilderness and nor should we deny what is revealed about us because if God reveals it, it's because He intends to redeem it. He is not there to convict you. There is no condemnation in Christ. God will reveal it only so it can be redeemed and turned around and something good can be brought from it. So when you're in the wilderness and He shows you something about yourself, don't operate out of shame, surrender it. When He reveals it, if you'll give it to Him, He will redeem it and make something beautiful from those ashes. We can't escape the wilderness, but we also can't deny what is revealed to us. Let the wilderness reveal what it will. It is what it is, right? Let the wilderness reveal what it will, but then let God do what He does. Let God do what He does. Here's the fourth truth about the wilderness. The results of the wilderness experience are always up to us. 
the results of what happens in the wilderness, that's always a choice you and I make. Think about Hagar. What did the angel of the Lord tell her to do? Go back, right? That was her instruction, but did he physically pick her up and move her back into Abraham and Sarah's house? She had to willfully step, right? And go back to where she came from. Think about Jesus. Didn't Jesus have a choice about what to do? He could have chosen to turn the stones into bread. He could have chosen to throw himself off the temple. He could have chosen the kingdoms and the splendor. Instead, he chose the Father. You and I always have a choice in the wilderness. We can choose to see what is revealed to us and let God change us, or we can refuse in the wilderness to be changed. I've had both experiences. And here's what I've learned. The wilderness will repeat until I learn the lesson. We don't know what is ahead. I don't know what your afternoon is gonna look like, much less all of 2020. We don't know what the wilderness is gonna look like, but we know it's coming, don't we? Because the wilderness is just unknown. It's uncharted territory. So it's coming. Since we know it's coming, instead of worrying about it and stressing over it, what if we just prepared for it? One of the things, y'all, that I have learned and that I'm so glad I have learned, one of the joys of getting older, is the power of pre-decision. I want you to learn this term today. The power of pre-decision where I can decide ahead of time how I'm going to react and respond in certain situations. When we are young, when we are children, when I think about my kids when they were two and three and, and they were driving me nuts, they didn't have the power of forethought, did they? They just react. You and I are not called to remain spiritual infants, but to grow up. And when we grow up, we learn that we have choices because God has given us free will. We are not just subject to the situations that, that we face, but we can decide. It might be as simple as this. You want to eat healthy, so you decide before you go to Zaxby's, I'm getting the grilled chicken instead of the fried. That's a pre-decision, right? But it also happens in much more significant ways. If you know you're gonna be around a person who triggers you, decide ahead of time you're not gonna be triggered, right? Like decide what your response is gonna be. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, my response is gonna be grace. What if you decided today that in 2020, come hell or high water, you're gonna read the Word of God, that you're gonna hide His Word in your heart so you don't sin against Him. What if you pre-decided? What if you decided that even though it's more natural for you to isolate yourself and you're more comfortable home alone in front of the TV, you're gonna pre-decide to choose community instead because you know God's Word says it's valuable, that we should not forsake the gathering together of our people, right? What if you pre-decided that? Instead of making resolutions that you'll break by January 15th, ask the Spirit to empower you to make some pre-decisions about your walk with Him. That's what lasts, not the body you're trying to shed five pounds off of, right? What we do with God in the coming year as individuals and as this body, that is what lasts and that is what matters. I am pre-deciding some things today. That's why I got a new journal. I'm pre-deciding that I am tracking my prayer life. 
I want to pray, but then I want to be reminded of how God answered that prayer. I'm predeciding that I'm reading the Word of God even when I get to Leviticus. I'm predeciding that I'm meeting together with my girlfriends and I'm going to ask them to hold me accountable. I'm predeciding that I'm going to pray more. I'm predeciding that I'm not going to react out of emotion, but I'm going to be reacting out of the Spirit. I'm predeciding some things today and I'm inviting you guys to do that with me too. 2020 is ahead of us and it is a wilderness, but we need not fear because we know the one who charted the wilderness. We know the one who has explored it and conquered it, friends. That is our God. Will you join me this morning in predeciding what your wilderness experience will look like? Let's pray. Father, this morning we invite you to be the master of our wilderness. God, we don't wanna be a people who are just afraid and who are cowering in fear about what's to come, but we wanna be a people who walk boldly into our next step because we know you're already there, even if it's a place we haven't yet been. And we're deciding today that we choose you, we choose your word, we choose your ways, we choose your people, we choose your work, we choose your kingdom over all of the things that we would normally use to dilute our reality. We choose you. Father, you are so good. No matter how we get to the wilderness, you're there. You're there, you don't leave us in the wild by ourselves. When the enemy comes against us, you've given us a weapon. You've given us a way to fight back. And so God, my prayer for this year is that we will be people who remember that, who pursue you above all else. And who remember that the wilderness is not wild to you. God, we love you. And we commit ourselves now to you. Amen. Guys, listen, as this last song plays and our band leads us in worship, I invite you, we have extra room down front. I invite you this morning to come forward, not so anybody can see you, but so you can just kneel right here and make some pre-decisions. Commit some things to God this year. Repent maybe of some things that happened last year and ask God to help you move forward. Ask Him to bless your wilderness and to be present in it. This altar is open. It is a place for you to come and to talk to your Father. He wants to hear from you this morning.